0: And he can accomplish his purpose through your life the same as he did through Christ. So think about that. Now Satan's temptation come not to merely get us to do wrong things. The devil's not out to get you to do wrong things. You'll do wrong things without any help from him. He doesn't have to help you be stupid. We We volunteer for that. He comes to tempt us in order to make us lose what God has put in us by regeneration. That statement comes from Oswald Chambers. That's what inspired me to just meditate on this and preach on this. Because God puts something in you. He puts his life. He puts his spirit. He puts his nature on the inside. Listen, Galatians says the fruit of the spirit, love, joy, gentleness, temperance, meekness, faith, everything contrary to your natural nature, God puts in you by regeneration of a new divine nature on the inside of you. Peter said we have been made partakers of the divine nature. The devil is after the divine thing that's on the inside of you. To move you off of that. Think about it. But when the kindness. Titus says it like this. But when the kindness and the love of God our Savior towards man appear. Not by works of righteousness which we have done. But according to his mercy he saved us. How? Through the washing of regeneration. And renewing of the Holy Spirit. Whom he poured out on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior. And having been justified by what? his grace we should become heirs according to the hope of eternal life regeneration literally if you break it down in the greek it means a new genesis god has given you a new beginning are you doing all right so when when paul wrote and said if any man be in christ he is what a new what so that new creation is on the inside of you. And we are constantly being conformed and transformed into the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. Even in our mind. Don't be conformed to this world. But what? Be transformed by renewing of your mind to where we have the mind of Christ. We think with the mind of Christ. And when we start walking in that level, you become great trouble for the enemy. Yeah. He doesn't, and this is an area to understand. The devil does not know what your assignment is. He just knows that God creates nothing without purpose. And listen what it said about Jesus. 1 John 3 and verse 8. For this purpose, the Son of God was made manifest that he might destroy the works of the devil. Now, if you are born again with that same purpose on the inside of you, what are you out to do? Destroy the works of the devil. The devil says, I can't see your assignment. I just know that God has put the seed of his life on the inside of you. And his life produces a harvest through your life. And your harvest does damage to what I want to do in the earth. So I'm out to stop you from working against me. You doing all right? And and which is hard because this is now a battle in the spirit, not a battle in the flesh. And we think our flesh is our problem. Your flesh is your problem to a degree. But the beta problem that you and I face is learning to live by the spirit. You doing all right? And war in that area. So watch this. So the question is the devil, what is he after? And the question is, what has God put in us? I love this. The possibility of being of value to God. The possibility of being of value to God. You and I hear a lot of people say a lot of time. well, it doesn't matter where, if I go to church or not. It doesn't make any difference whether I'm there or not. You've just believed the biggest lie that the devil can sell. It makes every bit of difference whether you are there or not. If The Bible says that the body of Christ is jointly framed, Ephesians 4, we are jointly framed and fit together and it edifies itself in love by that which every joint supplies. And when you get saved, 1 Corinthians 12, Paul says the moment you get saved, you are baptized into the body by the Holy Spirit. You are placed, set in the body of Christ, and you have function, you have purpose, and it makes a difference. You may not see it, but many times we don't understand what God's doing through us. You'll get it when you get there. But somebody needed to see you, something you had to say, learning to agree with God. God, you put something in me that causes me to edify strengthen, build up the body. And when I start to pursue that, to live to understand that, to live to walk and discover that, then everything changes. But the devil said, yeah, you're right. It doesn't make any difference. Nobody will miss you. Nobody needs to see your smiling face. I would say smiling face because sometimes we come in without that face. Amen. So watch this. The possibility of being valued to God and a destroyer of the devil's kingdom. You have the ability to be a destroyer of the works of the devil. So what does he do? To do this, he does not come to us along the line of just tempting us to sin. Devil's not just trying to tempt you to sin. Listen to this. But to shift our point of view. He wants you to shift your point of view. To perceive life from a perspective that is not from God. The devil wants God's people to live with their perspective that doesn't come from him. Think about it. And only the Holy Spirit can can detect that this is the temptation of the devil. Why do you need to be led by the Holy Spirit? Why is he the spirit of Truth. Why is he sent to lead and guide us into all truth and to reveal truth to us? And why do I need to be open to him and build a relationship with him? Why is it so important to pray in the spirit? Because he is the one who detects, hey, that thought isn't from God. That didn't come from God. Where'd you get that thought? That's not from God. There's certain things. I'll tell people all the time, you know, I I could read this forever and never come up with that thought. I've had people do a lot of different things. Well, you know, I feel the Lord leading me to do this. I've, I've said to him, i said, well, you know, I pray in the Holy Ghost and read my Bible. I've never had God tell me that thought. Are you doing all right? So there's certain things that we get that we, we try to, that the devil leads us in. And, and it's that perspective or point of view to perceive life from a perspective that's not of God. And the Holy Spirit is the only one who can reveal that's a temptation. Get this. I, you hear me say it all the time. I put it back in your outline. The devil always comes to get us to believe what he knows is not true. You are a value to God. And the devil wants you to believe that is not true. It makes a difference every time you're a part of the assembly that comes together. It, you make a difference. And he doesn't want you to know that. So temptation is not sin how I many know? T- it's not t- temptation is not the sin. It's the doing that's the sin. Amen. To be tempted is nothing. To put it here, would you like that? No, no, no th- don't, don't tempt me with that. No. So being tempted by it, that's not the sin. Partaking of it is the sin. Are you doing all right? So temptation is not the sin. It is the opposition we are bound to meet as men and women of God. Too often we suffer from temptations which we should not be subject to simply because we refuse to allow God by His Spirit to lift us to a higher place of purpose in our walk with Him. I have said, say, God, I'm, re- I'm ready to go higher in you. I'm, I'm not saddled to be an average Joe Christian. I don't want to be satisfied just to be the average guy. I want to be a man or a woman of God. Are you doing all right? So he lifts us to that higher purpose. And when we get there, we are not devoid of temptation, but this is where we face temptation of another order. And that's the same as that our Lord faced in his life. For all of us, temptation comes along the lines of our own disposition, like I said earlier. What we possess within our own personalities determines the temptations we face on the outside. We all bear a setting, the setting of our own temptation, and it will come along the line of the ruling disposition we allow to remain in our lives. Your attitude. Well, you know, how, how many of people. maybe I know you never said this, but you know people that do, and it frustrates you. <laughs> I can't help it. That's the way I am. Okay, that's just a, that's a, that's the way God made me deal with it. Well, it is the way he made you, but that's connected mostly to your fallen nature. Doing all right. Look, if any man be in Christ, he is a new create. Old things pass away. All things except the things you make excuse for fall away. You you can change. We can all change. It, do, it doesn't mean we get it right, But 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 if I ever take things and don't apply them. Or let them change be applied to them. Then those will remain a hindrance in my life. Amen. But we can change. We can learn different. You, you can get better. Age is a great way of, of, of mellowing us. Amen? Amen? As we get older and we process through. We, we let go of certain things that were so important. And we accept change. And so we're really we're changing. We're changing. Are you doing okay? All right. So... We bear that temptation, but those come along with that ruling disposition, which we allow to remain in our life. And, and this is the ongoing battle. We don't win that or, or complete it. We c- continue pressing for transformation, which is why we must be born again to overcome our old disposition and receive God's new nature placed within it. It's an ongoing part of transformation, ongoing in our life. Keep pressing in. Amen? Amen. So look, look, what Paul's t- look what Paul's telling Timothy. He says, look, what, fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life. Keep going. Keep pressing. Don't stop. Just keep going. Amen? To yeah. so watch it. That doesn't take away the possibility of temptation. It only elevates it to the same level as Christ. So if I want to begin to deal with that, now I'm going to face temptation of a different sort, as we talked about. This happens when we're no longer tempted by the cares of this world. The deceitfulness of riches and the distracting desire for other things. See, there comes a place in your life where you just go, hey, you know what? I'm just not going to get caught up in the cares of this world. You know what? I, I I no longer am just driven to have money. And I don't need too many more things in my life. There's something else that could be of more value. I, I want to start pressing for things that don't pass away. I don't want to live for the temporal. I want to live for the eternal. And so you start letting go more and more. You start letting go more and more of the world. And it doesn't mean that you live at a lower class of life. It just means there's certain things in life that no longer control you. You're not dominated and driven by those things. And you're pressing more into the things of God than trying to hold on to the things of this world. Because you're always going to battle between letting go of this world and grabbing hold of God. Amen? That's always going to be our struggle for all of us. So think about it. And we move into the place where our only goal and focus is like our Lord's was. When Jesus at the age of 12, what did he say? I must be about my father's business. There comes a place in the life of the believer when I give my life to Christ that I just say, you know what? I want to be about my father's business. I want to get to heaven on the day that I go to be with the Lord, whether I go to meet him or he comes to get me. I want to be able to say like the Lord said, I finished the work you gave me to do. I understand you created me with value and with your purpose stamped upon my life. And Father, I've tried to live to the best of my ability. I didn't get it right all the time. I wasn't able to always deal with my old disposition. But Father, I kept trying to change. I want to be a better man today than I was yesterday. And I want to be do more for God than I've ever done before. Are you listening to me? I want to keep pressing for the glory of God. I want to live, Father, to honor and to glorify you with my life. I want to be able to say, God, at least I tried. I tried. I gave it my best shot. I want to be about my father's business. See, the kind of temptation that the devil brings is a suggested shortcut. Oswald Chambers said that it is a suggested shortcut to the realization of my highest goal. He's no longer teaching you with the base uh, temptation of just sin and our fallen nature and appetite he's saying hey you want to be a man of god let me show you how to get there the easy way let me show you a shortcut to that good goal you have let, let me show you how to circumvent some of the issues hey joseph you got to call on your life for leadership let me show you how to get there without being thrown in the pit and going to the prison and being accused and being forgot i can show you how to get to the palace without the persecution." The devil always comes to offer you a shortcut to the good. Not to tempt you with the evil. His highest temptation is to tempt you to reach your good goal. When you desire to be who God wants you to do. To be. Amen. You get to that place, and, and so look where we are now. You, you can be good, the shortcut, you, you, you can be a man of God. You, you don't have to pray, you don't have to read the Word, you don't have to do this. You, you can just have it in your heart, you can just do this. Amen. It's always a shortcut to the good goal. Not towards what we understand as evil, but towards what we understand as good. It is a test, I love this, it is a test by an alien power of the possessions held by a personality. Or of that which makes you of value to God. The devil's always coming to compromise in our lives what makes us of value to God. It's like I said earlier, he doesn't have to tempt us with the base things. That's just part of our flesh. We deal with that all the time. 2 Corinthians 10 says this. Or, or the, next one, the end goal of all temptation is for the enemy to get you to abort your God-given purpose by offering you a shortcut to your desired goal of good. When you desire to be a man or a woman of God, he will come with a shortcut. I preached part of this for Pastor Dennis as they were ordaining uh, Ron up there. And, and it's the same thing when it comes to being a man of God. For years, we had, we had a Bible college here for 25 years. We ordained a lot of people, or sit, placed a lot of people in the ministry and that. And prayed over, Pastor Cole attests to it. Pastor Tim can attest to it. Michael's seen it being in ministry. Anytime you're in ministry for a long time, you see people who come up. They have a call. They have a desire for God. But then something comes along and tempts them to a shortcut to get to their goal. And all of a sudden, they circumvent the process. And they think, man, I can get there quicker without going through the process. and they get up there, but, but they, 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 didn't, they don't have the character to sustain them. And a few years down the road, you no longer see them. Whatever they're doing, what happened to them, where are they? Where are they now? Amen? So to speak. So watch it. And the devil always comes with, has God said, I know the Bible says that, but do you really have to do it that way? That's always the shortcut. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 10 and 11. Paul says this, Now, whom you forgive anything, I also forgive. For if indeed I have forgiven anything, I have forgiven that one for your sake in the presence of Christ. Listen to this. Lest Satan take advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of what? His devices. So the enemy comes. And what we're talking about here, this is talking about forgiveness, but we're not ignorant of his devices. Even in that area, the devil will use things like that, that, that move us off of our possession. Ephesians 6.10, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord, and the power of his might put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against what? The wiles of the devil, the tricks, the schemes, the plans, the traps of the devil, the way he comes to circumvent the process of God and tempt you with a shortcut to the good. This makes the temptation of Christ in the wilderness explainable. Jesus had accepted the vocation of bearing away the sin of the world. Jesus said to the Father, I accept that task. I will take away the sin of the world. The devil came to him in the wilderness to offer him a shortcut. It's always a temptation to your goal. To shortcut to your goal. The tempter came offering a shortcut to his desired end. Yet Jesus went through it and retained the possession of his personality intact. You and I can do the same, and the devil came. When the devil came to Jesus and tempted him, he used, "It is written. It is written. It is written." Each time, God's Son used the word. To overcome temptation. You're going to have to be a person of the world. This day, this hour, God's people need to be word people. Can you say amen? You're going to, have to, you're going to have to know what is written and how to stand and how to maintain that position with God. So hear me this morning. Our goal is to live as men and women of God who are of true value to God, who refuse by the power of the Holy Spirit to give up our possessions in Christ by accepting the devil's shortcut to our desired end. He's always going to come. The moment you say yes, there's always going to be a a, a temptation to a shortcut to get you to your desired end. And only God's way gets you there. Now, let me close with this this morning. I'm going to talk to you just a bit bit, about being a man of God. And this is an excerpt from my pastor from a lesson he taught in 1990. In 1990, Brotherhood raised us up. He had, a, he had a call upon his life, and what he had in his heart is that he believed that he could raise up 100 young men who would get saved, give their life to God, and go around the world and preach the gospel. That, that was what he wanted. He just wanted to raise up men send them out to go around the world and preach the gospel. And then in 1990, in June of 1990, we got together, about 40 of us, and went with pastor up to Mount Hope up by Brownsville, that area up in there. And we had a weekend together, and he called it Days of Substance. And he tried to impart this truth into our life, that as young men, that we would learn not just the mechanics of ministry, but learn to have an impartation from God through an encounter with him. And it doesn't just apply to those who feel a full-time call to the ministry. It applies to everyone who wants to live for God and fulfill his purpose and, 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 and fulfill his value in your life. And Brotherhood taught us this. He said, men of God have an added quality that ministers do not. Lots of ministers. Or you could say it like this. There are ministers and then there are men of God. Okay? Ministers can have a call, but that doesn't make him a man of God. A minister can have a revelation, but that doesn't make him a man of God. A minister can have gifts, but that doesn't make him a man of God. A minister can have anointing, but that doesn't make him a man of God. And that applies to each and every one of us. We can have gifts, we can have calling, we can have revelation, we can have anointing, but that doesn't make us men and women of God. You see, there are many called, gifted, and anointed, and even great, that even have great revelation, but very few men of God. And the reason is because they choose a shortcut. They choose a shortcut. We've seen it in America for too long, we've seen the great flashes in the pans. Ministries flash up, grow. oh man, what a word that guy had, what a revelation, what an anointing, and then all of a sudden, boom, where'd they go? They fall. Because they gave in to a temptation for a shortcut. And part of that shortcut is when you start getting recognized by people that say, man, you're all that and a bag of chips. Man, nobody else has a word like you, nobody hears from God like you, nobody prays like you. Doing all right? So watch this. A man of God has a substance that he carries apart from his calling, gifting, anointing, and revelation. And it only comes through an encounter in the glory of God in the face of Jesus. Every one of you look up here. God's giving you an invitation into his glory to have an encounter with him. And if I want to be a Christian, and and, and and I think this is it, when Tim was talking about Christians in Afghanistan, they're, they're saying that there are thousands of Christians left in Afghanistan, and over a third of them, a third of them, are saying we don't want to leave. We want to stay and live out our faith here, no matter what it costs. No matter what it costs. We feel God pressing us that our place of value and our highest goal would be to live for Christ here where it's no longer easy to live for Christ here and it might cost everything. This is my place of highest value and I'm not going to leave here for a shortcut to an easier life in Christ amen you don't get that kind of commitment without an encounter with God without having a revelation in your heart a deposit of the substance of the life of God in your heart that's beyond just a good sermon a good teaching Are you doing all right? So, it comes through that encounter. Because when a man passes through that glory, there's an indescribable substance added to his life which grows with each encounter in his presence. Every time you press into his presence, and I'm going to say this to you, many times you guys wonder, Pastor, how come you keep trying to call us to an altar? Because an altar is not a place where somebody prays for you. That's not just what the altar is. The altar is the place where you present and commit your life to God. Amen. The altar is a place where I say yes to God and I'm laying down and I'm I'm not letting things hold on to me. Anything that's getting a hold of me more than God, I want to put it on the altar. I want to keep pressing into His presence. I want God to be the foremost. He's the sustainer of my life. You're, we're watching everything right now. Our whole world could change. So everything that people trusted in changes in a heartbeat. Watch what's happening right now, even with employment. People have spent their whole careers their whole life working in different institutions and they're being told through a vaccine and different thing. You could lose your job. You could lose your retirement. You could lose everything you work for. Everything you thought you have could be gone in a moment and you never thought that would happen. So what is your sustainer? If you don't have confidence that God will sustain you, if that's been your source of hope and, and your security, then what happens when that's gone? You need to know that God is your source. God is your security. And no matter what else goes around me, but you don't get that just by going to church every now and then. You get that by spending time in the face of Christ, in the presence of God. 2 yes, Corinthians 4, we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord and ourselves your bondservants for Jesus' sake. For it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. And Brotherhood taught us years ago, keep pressing in. Who say, Pastor, how do you keep going? How do you keep doing when things transition and change? When, when, when you go through ministry, when you say yes to God, everything around you goes through transition and you're supposed to stay the same. Yes. You're supposed to stay the same and just keep going. Sean and I were talking about it the other night together and just doing life and ministry and talking about transition. But then just looking at it and through all of it, just seeing the faithfulness of God. Because you make a decision. Like the Apostle, listen what the this is how it does it. The Apostle Paul goes through all these things that he went through and comes again in, to the church of Corinth there. And then he just says this, none of these things move me. We're pressed, we're persecuted, we're cast down, we're ejected, despised, we suffered all this stuff. But then he just goes, none of these things move me. And when you get that deposit on the inside of you where those things don't move you, you have a deposit of his substance. Think about it. Men of God are not born. Uh, amen. They're, they're, they're not born. Think about it. They don't appear by accident. They're not made by merely receiving a gift. There's no man of God created without a divine encounter. Let me put you like this. There's no real Christian created. If you prayed the sinner's prayer, that didn't make you a Christian. Praying that prayer is an introduction. Living the life of something else. Living the life of a believer... Becoming a disciple, saying yes to God, walking with Him in newness of life, that comes through an encounter with Him, not a prayer that somebody led you in. Are you doing all right? Amen. Hallelujah. Would you just come? I'm going to do nothing else, if you would, just lead us in that. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There's no man of God created without a divine encounter. He presses into the presence of God in the face of Jesus Christ and is molded out of an intense time of seeking an encounter with the only one who can add his substance to our lives. Every one of us, you need the substance of God in your life. You need the substance of God in your life. I remember when Pastor taught us, it. he says, this is a word that's not in your Bible. You look to your Bible, you're not going to find the word Substance. But it's the reality of what happens. It's the residue. It's the impartation that we come out of his presence with. it's, It's the thing that sticks and can't be taken away. It's the most valuable thing you can possess in your life. The substance of God. Think about it. He is formed and transformed through this encounter by an impartation of divine substance in his life. This is a substance that cannot come from man. But it fully transforms the man, not just into a minister, but into a man of God. Because a true man of God does not rely merely upon gifts, callings, anointing and revelation he stands upon the soil of the substance of impartation from the presence of God and lives to impart a hunger for the same into the lives of those he sent to reach for 40 years I've been preaching the gospel this year 40 years and the only thing I want is for you to know him I don't care if you follow me. I don't care if you help. I do. Don't don't misunderstand. But I have nothing to give you. I want you to know him. I don't want you to defend. That's my church. This is this. That's my. Who cares? Do you know him? Is there something that is there something that happens here that brings you closer to him? Because if it doesn't draw us to him then it's nothing. And I want you to know what it is to be in his presence. I know not want you to know what it is to have him impart his substance into your life. So as you're walking through the season, and even in these times when it's hard like this, and you don't know what to do, you're not moved by it. You just have a peace and a calm. Because he said, I've been in the presence of the one who is always faithful and never changes. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And I have something abiding on the enemy, on the inside of me that what's outright me can't take away I have the presence of God in my life and nothing can remove that and nothing can remove me out of it so how do I have this happen first of all I have to get where I'm no longer afraid of the altar What does that mean? That means where I sense God calling me, I don't find an excuse not to go. I don't justify myself as I'm okay. I'm not worried about what people think about me. I just say, God, I'll respond. You're trying to pull me closer. God, I'm going to go. I'm coming to you, Lord. Hebrews 10 says this, look at, says, therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus by a new and living way, which he consecrated for us through the veil that is his flesh, and having high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with the true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful. Chapter 4 says, therefore, let us come boldly to the throne of what? Grace. That we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. Every time you come into his presence, there's an impartation of the grace of his substance upon our lives. And I come out of there and I'm strengthened. I'm rejuvenated. I'm renewed. I'm restored. I'm made whole. And I'm given a stand that cannot be moved how do I go there? I go knowing with the knowledge that this could be I could be a man of God I could be a woman of God I go knowing that I'm invited in I go knowing that having an earnest heart and a hunger for God over everything else I, I go determined to enter in it's another world and it's not easily entered into the presence of God is another world you don't enter into it easily it's not a drive through it's another world I'm willing to invest the time it's a desire to return often Do you stand with me this morning I've asked Justin just to lead us in this song and Cody Carnes is the one who did it but he just said nothing else nothing else would do I'm just caught up in your presence, God. That's all I need is just your presence in my life. I just want you to bow your heads for a moment. There there might be somebody here, and you've just been on that edge that that you're just okay enough with God. I'm just, you, you got this. I'm good I, I'm good I'm good enough right right you know I'm, I know I need to change and and, and I know there's areas I'm pressing in but you know what I, I'm good enough and, and it's good and God says hey why don't you just come on in you don't have to be afraid just come on in just let his presence move you nobody can impart this to you I feel like God is pulling us, even as a church, into this walk. He's looking for men and women of God right now. He needs carriers of His substance. He doesn't need us relying on mechanics, what we've known. He doesn't need us feeling confident by how many years we've been saved. He just says, hey, hey, do you still hunger for my presence? Do, Do you still what would I have to give so maybe we could take a moment today maybe you would just renew a hunger for God for his presence maybe you would just come and make an altar here someplace your altar We would just say God I just want you nothing else just you. God. Allow him to do what only he can do. To give you a moment in his glory, in the face of Jesus Christ. Allow an impartation into your life. While Justin just leads.